You've heard it that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Not even the Gentiles, do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, first question is, does the Bible ever say to hate your enemy? Because Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And so sometimes we think maybe he's quoting the Old Testament when he said that. You've heard it said. But the Bible actually never says it. So we go, let's go to Leviticus chapter 19. It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I like the way he throws in there, I am the Lord. And I feel like he, he says that I am the Lord. He's like, remember, I'm being merciful to you right now. <laughs> and then you go to Exodus chapter 23. It says, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying helpless under its load, you shall refrain from leaving it to him. You shall surely release it with him. You go to Proverbs chapter 25. It says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. So the Bible never says to hate your enemy. What Jesus was saying is that you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And so Jesus is saying, hey, this might, the Pharisees might be teaching you this thing, love your neighbors or hate your enemy. Or it could have been just like common cultural wisdom. It just could have been like this advice of people in the marketplace. But the point is, is it was something that they heard. They heard from their neighbors or they heard from their teachers or whatever it was. And so Jesus is saying, you've heard this thing that you've accepted as true. But I say, love your neighbor and bless your enemies. And so one of the things that, you know, if we go back to, to Matthew chapter 5, it says, love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you. I want you to think about right now, just in, in your head, don't say names out loud. I might be one of them. But uh, who is somebody or, or a few people who are opposing you right now? Who's making life a little challenging for you? Who's making life a little difficult? Maybe they've really slandered you and come against you or maybe they're just sandpaper 
Maybe it's like a Judas in your life, somebody that's betrayed you. But who is that person that is opposing you right now? Is it a, is it a politician? Is it somebody that you, you see on social media that really gets under your, under your skin? Who is that that's opposing you? And then the next question is, are we praying for them? Are we praying for them? Are we blessing them? It's like, you know what, Lord, I bless that person right there. Are we trying to find ways, if it's somebody that we actually know, are we trying to find ways to actually bless them? And we had a, um, back in the summer when we were meeting at our house, we were, we were playing the, the music loud, but we didn't realize it was like in our neighbor through the bushes that it was, it was super loud to them. So she came while we were worshiping in her car, like drove down and almost into the backyard and was really upset about how loud our worship music was. And we turned it down. I, was, I didn't see it. Um, some other folks dealt with it, but we were growing, you know, we had a garden, so we had tomatoes and okra and we picked some tomatoes and okra. We went over there, left the note at their house and left them tomatoes and okra. And then they mailed us a thank you card and thank you for turning the music down. But it was when, but the initial thing was, it was kind of like, turn the music down, buddy. You know, and it was that kind of thing. And you, you know, the natural instinct is you want to buck back up on, on. Jesus just operates. When you're the most powerful person in the earth, you know, um, you could just... <laughs> Destroying people isn't the answer, right? Jesus came to save the lost, right? So, he, so Jesus operates in a different way. He's like, how can I win this person's heart to the Lord? When we lived in Fort Worth, Texas, we, uh, we lived beside this authentic Mexican taqueria that was right beside stationary, stationary seminary. It was stationary. Yeah, it was Freudian slip, um, but... Seminary housing, and we went over there to order some burritos, and I took German in high school and did not know a lick of Spanish, and so I'm reading the menu. I was like, yeah, I'll take, uh, I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to you know, endear myself to this woman by using Spanish. You know, so I said, uh, dos polo burrito and the woman didn't know any Spanish and she went she had I me mean, she had a frown on her face and she just looked at me I was like those polo burrito and I, you know I'm kind of like you know understand what I'm saying guy came from the back he's like hey I'll take your order I'll take your order and I was like yeah two chicken burritos and and he's like yes we get you know we'll get it and she's just looking at me like this so Burritos were amazing, so we're like, we're going back. And I was like, oh, I, kn I know what I did. I said, I got the, the word order wrong. I was like, dos burrito polo. And she's like, I got, I'm, I'm like, dos burrito polo. I said, I got it right this time, right? The guy comes back, hey, I'll take your order, I'll take your order. Same thing happens. She's still frowning at me, giving me that stank out. And I told Jessica, I said, I'm going to win this woman 
she's going to smile at me before we leave seminary. And so, um, and so next time I was like, I'm mispronouncing pollo, you know? So I was, I went in there, I was like, I looked there, I was like, dos, burrito, pollo. And, and she went, <laughs> and so when people give you the stink eye, you just don't, you know, don't take it personally. That's a lighthearted example, but so many times we give up the moment there's opposition, right? It's like the moment somebody says, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Like, I guess they're lost forever. Instead of like, all right, Lord, what are, what's the inroad? What are you doing? Because God want, he, he wants to bless the person. Is it? Maybe, he's, maybe it is praying for a little bit, and then he shows you to bake a cake for him. You know, I, there's so many, the simple thing, I'm telling you, God uses the simple things. Where, you know, I can't remember who I heard this story from, but a, a lady wanted to reach her neighbors for the Lord. They didn't know the Lord, and, and the Lord said, bake them a cake today and take it over there. And she brought it over to her neighbor. It happened to be her neighbor's birthday, and it totally opened up the neighbor's heart. She received the Lord. So it's don't negate those little leadings where you're like, why am I thinking of baking a cake for my neighbor? That's probably the Lord. Like you, we don't have a lot of great ideas, right? So if you get a great idea, like it's probably the Lord. And so it says, he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. This, this is one of these scriptures that blows my mind. It blows my mind. I'm gonna, Luke 6 says something similar, but we're going to read that passage. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you. Selah. You're blessed. You're blessed. So when I was in Fort Worth, I was working at LA Fitness, and there was a man who had uh, multiple sclerosis. And so he, his ner nervous system was degenerating. He was losing motor function. And he at one time was a super, super powerful, successful businessman. And, but he would come in, and he could barely talk anymore because of this lack of motor control and I would come in there and I would say hey to him and he was kind of friendly and I asked him one I said hey can I can I pray for your for God to heal your body and he he said no and that was it and then a couple of days later I get the most is the most scathing email I've ever gotten in my life and it was it's like, I don't, how in the world could you ever, if you, and it, it's like that, it was like the devil was talking because he was, it was hitting all of the things that I hold dear to my heart. It's like, you are no man of integrity. How could you even, how could you even do this? You have no character, no integrity. Don't ever talk to me again. And Jessica tell you, it's like, when I got that email, I just, I got on the, kneeled at the, the foot of my bed and cried over this man. I was like, God, how did this man interpret this this way? When I was trying to look, I, every day 
I would basically escort him to his bike and talk to him. I, I, I would take 30 minutes every time he came in and talk with this man. And the Lord's like, you're not the problem. He's got a problem with me. And so it's anytime. So the Lord's saying, blessed are you when people exclude you, revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. So are you prepared for somebody in your attempt to love them, to speak the truth to them and love, to serve them, and then go right back around and say, you're evil and you're from the devil? Are you prepared for that? Christians have been called from the devil before. <laughs> you're from the devil. You don't love people. How could you believe this? How could you have this standard of morality if you really love people? That's evil. That's not love. Have you heard it before? So when you follow Jesus, expect people to hate you, exclude you, revile you, call you evil. It says rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. So, for so their fathers did to the prophets. I wonder what would have happened in my spirit that day if when I got that email, I made a choice to go running in my backyard. Jesus, thank you. Like, even though I didn't feel like it. What if I went, I was just like, thank you, Jesus. What would have, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, what would have that done in my heart? Would it have just given me this like courage and resolve and even more love for this man? Instead of being like, how did he misunderstand me? Verse 26, woe to you when all people speak well of you. I'm just reading the Bible, folks. <laughs> woe to you when all people speak well of you for so their fathers did to the false prophet you know in Isaiah a lot of the false prophets they got blamed for saying no it's peace peace no it's going to be a time of prosperity peace and I'm not a prophet but I'm, I'm telling you part of this message is if you're not prepared to suffer for the Lord at some, at some point, in some way, I don't know how it's going to look. Maybe one day you're thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Maybe one day you're overseas or, or here in the, the States and you're threatened with death. I don't know. But you have to get it. You got to, because if it gets on you before you've ever thought about it, it's, you're not going to be prepared. And so for me, what I'm, the burden I feel as the pastor is like, my people need to be prepared. The Lord's people need to be prepared. Because Jesus said, come and follow me and take up your cross. Right? Follow me. Paul said, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. All of these light and momentary troubles pale in existence to the glory that awaits me. Is what Paul said. 
And Paul was an apostle. Now, nowadays, apostles, they can, not all of them, but sometimes it, it's a, a right of entitlement. Paul was like, I'm making tents, and I'm getting stoned, and I'm lost at sea. I'm an apostle. <laughs> That's what an apostle gets to do. You get, you get to preach in the marketplace, and people throw you out and toss you out of the window or whatever. You know, it's like, that's what an apostle. So this is, and this is the church when it was in its birth and flowing in the power and the grace and the love of the Holy Spirit. And so for me, I think about my kids, and I was like, I've got to start talking to my kids that you may suffer for Jesus in your lifetime. Like right now, you're not suffering, really. But there's going to come up. You may have to come to a place where uh, you're being persecuted and, and your uh, rights might be taken away to some degree and maybe you're thrown in prison or maybe you're threatened, whatever. And so I, I've got to talk to my kids like, listen, to follow Jesus, it costs you your life. The good news is you get his life in exchange. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic as well. So those who hate us, exclude us, revile us, we love them, we do good to them, we bless them, and we pray for them. When they take your coat, you give them your shirt as well. Corey Tinboom, her and her sister were in Germany work camps, Nazi Germany work camps. And while her and the other inmates were in these work camps, they watched helplessly as a prisoner received a beating, and Corey's sister felt so sorry for the guard that they would choose to do this. And they would go into intercession for the guard just to, because of their the compassion for the guards, like they, the depravity that, that was on the guard, you know what I'm saying? And so when these things are happening, when people are reviling you, excluding you, spurning you, these are all sufferings to some degree. And this is uh, Richard Wormbrand, who was in communist Soviet Union prison for 14 years. He said, I had prepared myself for prison and torture as a soldier in peace in peacetime, excuse me, I've prepared myself for prison and torture as a soldier in peacetime prepares for the hardships of war. I had studied the lives of Christians who had faced similar pains and temptations to surrender and thought how I might adapt their experiences. Many who had not so prepared themselves were crushed by suffering or deluded into saying what they should not. So many people who didn't expect to suffer for their faith end up denying Christ, is what he was saying. Because you believe the gospel that's not in the Bible. You believe the gospel that says Jesus is Santa Claus. And he's here to make my life better, not an exchange. I'm not here to 
lay down my life for him because he laid down his life for me. Jesus didn't come to, to make you good at life. He didn't come to make you better at life. He came because he is the life. That's, he is the life. That's the answer. And Richard Wurmbrand said, a faith that can be destroyed by suffering is not faith. A faith that can be destroyed by suffering is not faith. And the good news is, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the overcomer in you. You've got the victorious one living inside of you. It's not up to you in your, in your willpower. Richard Wurmbrand would talk about imprisoned just being like, God, I can't go on without you. And then he and God would, would give him the grace to endure, or he had an angel visit him one time. He said he heard the most, the most beautiful music he ever heard was 70 feet beneath the earth in solitary confinement. And he said, even though those were the hardest days, he said it was the best days, much like that Iranian woman who was in prison as well that Greg's talked about. So Jesus said, even sinners do the same. In other words, so if like, if we're, if I lend to Greg, I expect Greg to get, pay me back. If I love Greg, Greg loves me. No sacrifice. Jesus said, even sinners do that. Even Gentiles do that. And what he's saying is, even people who worship other gods do that. So what is going to distinguish the lover of Jesus? The ability to love your enemies. I remember I watched, oh, uh, who is the guy? Street magician. The, the other guy. Chris. Chris Angel. I was watching Chris Angel years ago in the, in the gym. He was on the TV and he was walking, apparently walking on pool water in Las Vegas or something, and I got, I got, I was just like, looking at the TV, I was like, Lord, why does he get to do that? I said, well, you, I know your word says there's going to be like false signs and wonders. I was like, but why does he get to do that? And he said, Travis, he can't love like you. That's the difference. Somebody in that position, they, they may not be able to love their enemies, but you have the power and the ability to love your enemy. That's what the world says is impossible, right? You give to those who beg of you, you love your enemies, you lend expecting nothing in return. Doesn't sound like a great deal in the world's eyes, right? Where's the interest? Where's the dividend? You trust your father. But God doesn't ask you to do something he hasn't already done himself. I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating. But it's about Watchman Nee used to tell a story of a Chinese Christian who was a, a poor rice farmer. And every day he would fill his rice patties with water only to find out that his neighbor, who was not a Christian, would drain the water into his own rice patties. 
I know some of y'all think rice patties are the crunchy things. It's the rice field, all right? So for a, while the, for a while, the Christian ignored this offense, but soon he realized that it would be his financial ruin. He's like, I'm losing money. <laughs> like, this guy's stealing my water. So he got some of his Christian friends together, and they prayed for a solution. Like, what, what should we do about this? And one of his friends said, we would be sorry Christians if we did this the way the world would do it. <laughs> I just love that. And so he came up with a solution. He got up early the next day, and he filled his neighbor's field first with water and then his own. The neighbor couldn't believe it, and this act of selflessness caused the neighbor to accept Jesus. That's blessing your enemy. This guy's stealing from him. And it's in the flesh to defend what's yours, right? That's the orphan spirit. I only have so much. I've only got this stuff on this, on this podium. When, when, that's that's where an orphan thing. But sons and daughters think, take this. My father can create more. He's, he's got unlimited power. God can make checks show up in the mail. He can make money show up in your billfold. I went to lunch one time with Phil Goodwin. I gave all the cash in my wallet to a homeless lady. It was 30 bucks or 20 bucks, $20 bill. That's all I had. The Lord just said, give it to her. And he says, give right here in that scripture. So I gave it to her. I go to, go to lunch with Phil. I go to, to pay there's $33 in my wallet. I went, I went, I went huh? Phil was like, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? I was like, huh? Huh? I just had money appear in my wallet. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, I just, it was the last thing I was expecting, though. I was going to pull out a card, $33 cash. I was like, why 33 Was that because that's how old you were when you died, Lord? You know, I don't know, but it's $33. So bless your enemies. That person that, you, that I asked you to think about, ask the Lord, how can I bless them? Pray for them, and how can I bless them? So I want us to do this. We're going to make some declarations. I don't, can can you all read that in the back? All right, you all just repeat after me. When someone attacks me or lies about me, I move in the opposite spirit. I forgive and bless that person. God gives me creative ways to bless those who oppose me or don't agree with me. I can love those who oppose me without having to agree with them. I'm not easily offended. And I do not seek vengeance when wronged. I keep my peace in all situations. And it attests that I belong to the Prince of Peace. Okay, I want you to stand. So we're going to worship some more. This is our new wineskin. I'm going to keep explaining it. 
to it kind of becomes part of our culture, but where we worship, we share the word, and then we, we allow the Holy Spirit space to minister to us. So this is a time of worship, time of ministry. And, you know, I read, you know, I invite you to come to the altar knowing that in the Bible, the altar was a place where the fire fell and is where things came to die. And that's the call of the, of the Christian is, is we, we die that we may live. We've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives within us. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So during this time, one question to ask is, Lord, do I have an enemy, first of all? Secondly, how can I bless my enemy? And then you go out and you obey the Lord. Obey the Lord and do it. And watch him move. Let's work. I just wanted to, you know, in that scripture in Matthew where it talks about how he causes the sun to rise on the good and the evil. And he blesses the righteous and the unrighteous. I'm just remembering, you know, like God took a risk on me. Like he didn't know how I was going to respond to his sacrificial love. And, and so it just each of us that have come to salvation have come from a time where um, we were the evil, right? And he made us good. And where we were the unrighteous and he's made us righteous. And so um, I just think about also how we want people like Travis is sharing these stories, and many of them have like a really great outcome, like the rice field guy came to know the Lord. And so we're hearing the end of the story, but many of us are in the middle of a story where whoever is opposing us, maybe they're, they're just still opposing us. <laughs> like we're still, you know, blessing, and we might bless our whole life and not know that how it impacts someone. So our... Our motivation can't be their response. Our motivation has to be because of what that says. Like, it's what God tells us to do. Like, it's a matter of obedience. It's not a matter of trying to see the, the results. And um, so I'm just, I, I'm just remembering how God gave Jesus, and he sent Jesus after me to bless me when he didn't know how I was going to respond or how long it was going to take me to trust him or to lean into him. And so I want to have that same endurance to be long-suffering, to bless my enemies, to love my enemies in a long-suffering kind of way.